Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on sleeping in when you're a guest, rescheduling a meetup due to COVID-19 testing, tipping the owners of a restaurant, and still wanting to host a traditional baby shower during the pandemic, but knowing that virtual will be better. For Awesome Etiquette Sustaining members, our question of the week is about at-home cards. All that, plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript segment where we are joined by the wonderful women who host the Call Your Girlfriend podcast. They have a new book out called Big Friendship, and we get to talk with them about the etiquette of friendship. All that, coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. And today we have a very special show with very special guests, which is very unusual for us here on Awesome Etiquette, despite the fact that we talk about hosting all the time. We are really excited that Aminato So and Anne Friedman of the Call Your Girlfriend podcast join us for our Postscript segment, and they're here to discuss their new book titled Big Friendship, which comes out tomorrow. That's Tuesday, July 14th. We would be remiss if we didn't thank Jackson Musker, who we mentioned in our big celebration of our 300th episode show had reemerged, he reemerged to make an introduction to ask us if some folks that he was doing booking for now, the Call Your Girlfriend podcast ladies, could join our show. And an introduction from Jackson Musker is an introduction that we pay attention to. What was, <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> uh, and what was fun about this introduction is as we sort of mined a little bit deeper, we did some research to prepare for this interview. What we discovered was that this show and the the book about friendship are nicely paired with what we do here on Awesome Etiquette and that yeah. there's a, a, a relationship focus, a building and growing relationship focus for them within the context of specifically friendship relationships. Well, and I think also like within that, it's the, the care within your friendships that you take. You know what I mean? It's that there's a I, I pulled right away from from my takeaway from both the show and the book was that there there was a certain um I don't want to say like reverence for certain types of friendships or things like that, but a, a real honest reflection upon self. It, it had so many notes that we talk about here on Awesome Etiquette. Dan and I got really excited um, about being able to do this interview. I agree. There were some big picture value setting like, oh, this is what we value in a friendship. This is where we want something to go paired with a real willingness to get down into the the weeds or the details or whatever you want to call it. But a willingness to examine behavior and language and how we treat each other and make decisions and see ourselves. And it is all that investigation that is just so rich. And it's it's the, the grist for the mill of this show and I think for a lot of the conversations that they have as well. Well, I, for one, am certainly excited to share our postscript with our audience, but I think we have to get to some questions first. Should we get to it? Let's do it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions, and you can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com, leave a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND, that's 802-858-5463, 
or you can reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at Emily Post Inst. On Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. And on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your social media posts so that we know you want your question on the show. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question this week is delightfully titled, Should I Sleep In? I feel like the answer here isn't isn't it just always yes, always? Are we done? Do we even need to read the question? Yes, always? And there's the rub. No, no? (laughs) Oh, we'll have to investigate further. Dan, what's up with this question? We begin. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Wondering what the rule of thumb is or the correct way to behave as a guest. I am wondering, as per the host guest dance, what is appropriate in terms of sleeping in when you are a guest in someone's house? I want to be considerate to any meals that may be being prepared or the appropriate time to get coffee while it is hot without making a special pot and other considerations such as this. Often there is something said along the lines of sleep in or relax and we'll see you in the morning. But what is the most considerate and respectful way to approach this? I would always love to get invited back. If you could please advise me on some aspects of etiquette around sleeping in at a guest's house, that would be great. I love your show and appreciate your guidance. Kathleen. Kathleen, this is such a good question because it it, it kind of does have so many answers. I, I joke in the beginning, always, always sleep in. But I like the fact that you're getting a little deeper. People often say, sleep in, relax, take your time in the morning. But what does that really mean? Early to some is 6.30 a.m. Early to others is 10 a.m. or 8 a.m. You know, uh, when does the household start to move? I can remember going and staying in days of old at a boyfriend's house and mom would start vacuuming, you know, at like at like 8.30 in the morning and we were asleep in the basement. So it would be like no matter what you were getting up, even if she wanted you to sleep in. It's different in different households. And for me, the etiquette starts with not just saying, please sleep in. It's saying something like, you know, oh, I'm usually up around nine, but please feel free to sleep as late as you want or get up early. I can set some things out for you to get started. I like it when hosts identify their schedule zone and then open it up for guests to be free to do whatever they would you know, like within it that would make them comfortable. I agree. I think that there there is sort of an initiatory duty that falls on a host to kind of map out what's usual so that a guest can figure out how to kind of slide in 
and I, I don't want to say make the least impact possible, but maybe say cause the least disruption or sort of make make the fewest requests that would stretch a host. And and obviously there's a reciprocal expectation of a host wanting to outline what's usual, but also let guests know how they can make themselves comfortable either within those parameters or how they can step outside and not bother anybody. So there, there's definitely a bit of a dance going on. And I think that a bigger picture priority of both parties wanting to do their best for the others. That if you love to get up early, I want to accommodate that. If you love to sleep in, I want to accommodate that. If there's anything I can do for you where I'm not present, let, let me help. Let me tell you where the local coffee shop is or put a timer on the coffee pot that has it waiting <laughs> for you when you wake up at 4.30. Or it's no trouble to make a second pot. Don't you worry about it. We'd love to have one to turn to throughout the day. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, but I also think that if if there's an absence of that, Kathleen, I think that you can speak up and you can say, well, what time do you all usually wake up in the morning? Or... You know, well, I'd love to make sure I join you for breakfast. So what what time, you know, do you usually do breakfast or, you know, whatever it is. You know, some people it's I've got to get up and do that, you know, meditation, yoga or morning run, whatever it is. I think you you just you can you can ask questions. You can dive in and say like, oh, I'd, I'd love to be there for that. Or, I'd you know, I'd love to do this, but I don't want to miss that. Like. It, it's it's the, the broaching of the conversation that'll get it going and get you answers. It kind of almost, as long as it fits the household and your friendship, I think you're good. <laughs> yeah. Or I usually get up at eight, but I can adjust that up or down easily. I think whether that's on the part of the, the host or the guest, a little bit of a willingness to change or adjust to kind of try to meet closer in the middle on it or, or, or align with someone is always... Good doesn't have to be totally 100% necessary, but I do think it's good. Every now and again, though, because you do end up with a, a, a slightly more awkward but often even more understandable situation, which is like your flight gets in at a really weird hour mm -hmm. and now you're going to sleep really late into the day because you've got to, you know what I mean, or something like that. But those are much more understandable circumstances than – than the like, oh, yeah, well, we said sleep in, but now it's one and uh, she's still not up yet. <laughs> like, do we, should we wake her for lunch or not? <laughs> Answer, give her a chance, but don't insist. <laughs> would you first send text messages to see if just the phone would, would, would ignite it, get the person out of the room, or would you go for a knock on the door? Text first, definitely. <laughs> text first, then knock. Oh, I love how how technology allows us to do such things. So most of our answers have to do with finding some accord, uh, communicating ahead of time, sort of maintaining within yourself a, a willingness to be flexible, to propose solutions, to talk it out. I do think there's also something to be said for preparing for your own autonomy, that if a cup of coffee at five o'clock is really important to you, but you're hanging out with a bunch of late risers, your willingness to... Ask how to let yourself in and out so that you can go find a local coffee shop and take care of yourself, I think, is another tool to have at your disposal. In the category of offering some practical tips for house guests, I say bring a book or something that you can use to entertain yourself. Bring some headphones, something that you can do to not bother other people, but enter a world where you find yourself entertained, even if you're sharing space with other people who aren't awake yet. And maybe the walking shoes are the, the other yeah, thing that you that bring. <laughs> Make sure you can always, always prepped to go for a good walk. Kathleen, we hope that this helps and we hope that your next visit as a house guest is one where you get to sleep in, be comfortable, and get the coffee. But there are problems, too. He's always asleep. When's he ever going to be any fun? All he ever does is eat and sleep. Yes, eat and sleep. Our next question is titled, Rescheduling for Results. Dear Lizzie and Dan, I have appreciated your podcast even more than usual recently due to the new changes COVID has brought to how to interact socially. I have a friend who I meet with every Thursday morning. During this time of social distancing, we have met over FaceTime, but more recently we've been meeting in outdoor spaces. 
Her husband is sick and was tested for COVID yesterday. Tomorrow is Thursday. The results do not come back until next week. I will obviously have to cancel before you get back to me. But what would be your sample script for canceling in this scenario? Sincerely, Anonymous. Anonymous, thank you for your question and thank you for the feedback about how you found the show particularly helpful or comforting recently. It's nice to hear. Um, as I was thinking about the answer for this, I was saying to myself, oh, there are a couple of points that I would want to get across. I would mm-hmm. want to thank someone for telling me, for being open about what had happened. I would want to be very clear that I'd have to cancel for now. And I'd also want to be sure to deliver the message that I looked forward to picking up again at some point in the future when and where we could. And I was asking myself, boy, how would I say those three things? And I was saying, you know, that's the sample script right there. Thank you so much for telling me. Obviously, I'll have to cancel our usual Thursday social distance meeting, but I so look forward to picking it up again when we can. I like that sample language, Dan. And I also like how it can work, I want to say, retroactively. I think a lot of people might have like a phone conversation where someone shares news. Oh, you know, my husband, my spouse, my partner's sick or was exposed, or whatever it is that they're sharing with you, and it doesn't register in your brain, oh, wait, four days from now, five days from now, we've got a date, a standing date to get together, I should cancel it now. I think your same language works. You just have to add the, I for, I totally forgot about our date and that it might impact that. Um, I think we should cancel. So you could follow up with a friend, you know, hey, I just want to say thanks again so much for telling me. Is, you know, Jim feeling any better? da 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 I am thinking it's probably a good idea if this week we cancel or we go back to doing a FaceTime. I think it's perfectly fine for you to just admit, I didn't think about it in the moment, you know? Absolutely. These are um, quick decisions. And I think everybody is getting used to that because things are so fluid that things have to we have to stay willing to change. We have to be willing and able to adjust. I think that's a pretty understood social concept at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And boy, do we look forward to the day when it's not longer the, no longer the case, right? Oh, my goodness. Oh, it would be nice to have some certainty. <laughs> I know. I know. I do want to say, though, I'm finding that friends and Dan, I don't know what your social circles have been like, but I am finding that friends are getting a lot more comfortable with discussing this sort of thing with um, just finding that beautiful balance between seeking information and protecting oneself and not doing that in ways that judge or push people away, but but have a tenderness and a kindness about them. I'm thinking about when I got together with a friend over the weekend and before we got together, she just – she had some questions because I had been tested. I think we've talked about that whole scenario on the show before. But the just very sweet and very respectful way in which she approached the topic made me feel just so grateful for that. And it made it so easy to reply and to answer the questions and to figure out our social um, gathering together safely. And I just I kind of want to take this moment to give us, us kudos because I'm hearing more tales like that out in the world and more people looking for ways to be really good about that. Lizzie Post, that is such an important point. These conversations can feel fraught or awkward or new or difficult, and they can also feel really good. And that that sounds a little weird even to say, but I know, but it's true. There are opportunities to show real compassion and care for each other and for ourselves. And when we ace it, when we do it well, it, it, it really shows that concern and that care. And that's really important. Anonymous, we hope this sample language helps. And more than that, we hope that your friend's husband gets better quickly and that you both can get back to your Thursday get-togethers. The guardians of our health, our doctors, nurses, teachers, and parents, are working together to keep us well. All of them must know and agree on the health practices we need at home, in the neighborhood, and at school. Our next question is about tipping the owners. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. When eating out, people are accustomed to tipping their servers. But I'm wondering about when the owners of the restaurant also serve you the food. Do you tip working owners of their restaurants who are waiting tables? Thank you, Kathy. This is one of those where I think this is a difference between salons and non-salons. I mean, typically the idea is that you you don't usually tip an owner because they are, like supposed to be making profit. You know, uh, the idea is that they take care of everything. They take care of themselves. 
And I think in in services like salon services, beauty services, those types of things, we're, we're really used to this idea that you don't tip the owner. But I think, to be honest, that during COVID and in the restaurant industry, it's less in that realm. I think that we're, we're more used to tipping the owner. We might not always know whether the owner is the person serving us. It's a funny divide. I can't give you a real reason for it. I just know that my instinct here is to say you, you tip that person who's serving you at a table right now because that's, that's the big custom that we have here in America. I'm right there with you because I think if they're providing that service, you tip the way you would tip for that service. If someone were to say, oh, no, no, I can't accept that. I own and operate this place and, and I don't usually accept tips. I wouldn't force it. Yeah, a good, very good point. Very but good point. I don't anticipate hearing that necessarily. I think that more like you, I think more and more it's not uncommon to see an owner – participating in service at a restaurant and the culture and the social contract around tipping for service, particularly sit down table service at restaurants is so solid, is so strong. I just think most people are expecting that's going to be part of, of the routine, even an owner who's playing that role. I think you're right to think you're probably not going to hear in a restaurant setting too many owners say, oh, no, no, don't worry about the tip tonight. Like, And I don't want to say that saying like restaurant owners are selfish. I don't want people to think that way at all. I think this is a, a really difficult um, time for restaurants especially. And I think that it's just really common that a lot of places are going down to that staff of like, you know, the owners, a, a chef and a server, or sometimes those people are, are occupying all three different occupations, um, especially for smaller, smaller places. But I, I think it never hurts, Kathy, to offer the tip. It never, ever hurts to offer. And it's the same thing that we do say over in the salon side of the question, which is if you don't know, oh, always offer to leave a tip. And if they refuse, you know, you can you can say, are you sure? I'm really happy to. And then if they refuse again, I think you leave it be and you, you feel confident walking away, not leaving the tip that you've really secured that that's the OK social thing in this particular moment. Kathy, thank you so much for the question. We hope this helps clear up any confusion when you're eating out. Our next question is titled, Still Want a Shower? And I don't know if there is, should be a question mark or an exclamation point or an ellipsis or just a period at the end of that. <laughs> Let's dig in and find out. Hi, I'm an avid Emily Post rule follower and a new listener to the Awesome Etiquette podcast. Since COVID-19 doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon, my husband and I decided to have an online baby shower. Oh, we are due in October. Yay. And would like the shower to be at the end of August. I've been going back and forth with this, but we just don't want to be the reason anyone gets sick. Very smart. My sister-in-law is hosting the shower for us, but we are so confused on how to create an invitation for such an event. I also still want to make the shower classy and lovely, even though we will not be together in the same space. Any suggestions and opinions you have would be so greatly appreciated, especially with the invitation. Thank you so much in advance, Adrian. Oh, Adrian, first of all, big congratulations. What an exciting time. And second of all, there are so many good options here. You're thinking about ahead of time. So there's plenty of opportunity remaining to, to do this well and to have a lot of fun with it. In terms of what's the appropriate kind of invitation, it could really be anything. It could be paper, sort of very traditional paper. It could be an evite. Um, whatever it is, I definitely think planning to call and follow up in person, usually via phone call, is advisable as well. Around shower planning, particularly non-traditional shower planning, the odds are that there's going to be some subtle messaging, some little details that are going to be easier to communicate if you're getting that one-on-one -on -one opportunity with people. And usually showers aren't so big that it's not too big of a burden on the host to, to be thinking of that as part of their planning and inviting process. With that invitation, I do think that you um, 
two things. One, I think because you've self-identified as an Emily Post rule follower, I want to lean into the idea of sort of proper invitations. You know what I mean? Because I think, Adrian, and if I am wrong, feel free to go the other direction with it. But I think you would like it. I think it's what you probably would enjoy for your shower. And in some ways, we do want to be trying to combine as, as much of the traditions as we feel connected to and that are important to us um, with the safety that we're trying to work with now because of COVID-19. So I would say go for that paper invite, give it the wording that that you typically would, but the, the time and place for the shower then become the virtual gathering time and space. And you can even, I would suggest on the invitation, write, you know, email with link to call or link to or phone, you know, whatever, whatever it is based on the service that you're using to gather everybody virtually. I think that that would be really um, kind of be like the appropriate melding of the the Zoom invite or the Google Hangout invite and the, the actual kind of traditional shower invitation. And then, of course, you've got to follow up with that link. That way, everybody does have it. And you might even want to just check in if you haven't heard people respond back saying that they'd be happy to be there to make sure that they've received the link. One of the other things that I think is really important for doing this is to have an agenda for your virtual shower. You know, it does help. I was just a part of a virtual bachelorette the other night, and the ladies that organized it had um, – whole whole list. They weren't exactly games, but they were fun things that really celebrated our bride. And because the sort of uh, MC of the Bachelorette was moving us through things, it, it was really helpful. And different people would kind of like they would take breaks in between and different um, party guests would then come up to the camera and talk kind of one on one with the guests that they knew. And it was OK if if you didn't know that person who was right up to the camera, you could you could kind of just listen and smile and just be present. But I do think agenda is really important and give people that um, that sense of ease. Like, it's okay if you have to leave for a few minutes and come back. We want this to feel casual and comfortable. No one should feel like they're tied to their desk chair, you know. Those kinds of things really, really help to make that virtual shower feel special. That agenda is going to work for you in a couple of ways. It's going to help avoid kind of the one of the biggest problems in quotation marks that people run into with the virtual shower, which is that an hour spent online oftentimes is about the max for people. And if you start to get into uh, sort of the, the parallels between a, a live event and a virtual event, oftentimes you're shortening the duration. So we used to have time for everyone to open everything in front of everybody and say a little something and a little back and forth. And it might be that at a 20-person shower, that means that you're about going to have two or three minutes to say a little something to somebody. And people are going different ways. Some people are sending the gifts ahead of time for someone to open live. Sometimes people are removing that gift opening process just to to shorten the time frame, but they're giving everybody an opportunity to say something or they're acknowledging the gift but not opening it in front of people. Doing photos of the gift opening and then posting a series of them as an album to the group space later. Like, you know, there's there's a lot of ways to wing it. And because there are so many choices and none is the right one, just giving somebody an idea ahead of time, which one you're going with or how you'd like it to proceed, sets everyone up for success and makes it more likely that the event itself is going to be fun and move smoothly. It also helps with those things like um, guess which member of, you know, like the, I feel like there's a lot of like guest games that can be really like funny, like, you know, uh, what would happen upon the first diaper change or like, you know, just silly things like that. And I feel like. Um, letting people know ahead of time a little bit about some of the topics, some of the memories they might want to be bringing to mind. It, do it does kind of help them prepare for the call. Just I hate to, to then connect it to business, but just like the same way you'd prepare for a business call, you know? It allows you to participate, which is really, really nice as that person far away, you know, wanting to be there in the room with everybody else. Or I guess in this case, there really won't be that many people in the room with everybody else. <laughs> but one of the other things you can do to help kind of make things inclusive and get people to bond more is ahead of time, sending out either small packages 
to your guests or sending out suggested recipes? I know people have done like cocktails of the night or um, everybody's baked the same kind of uh, cookie or, you know, cupcake or something like that. And it's, it is kind of a nice way when you're all, you know, sipping that same cocktail and can comment on it or when you've tried someone else's recipe for a dish and everyone gets to eat it even though you're far apart. It is, it's a tiny unifying thing. Not everyone will participate. Don't expect full participation, but it is a, it's a nice added option. And of course, if you have the means to just send things to people, like a little, like I said, a little care package for the party, that can be a really fun way to participate. But it takes quite a lot of prep and, and might be a bit too much, <laughs> might be a bit extra. One sort of final tip thought is to leave a little bit of time as an organizer or host for an event like this for helping people that aren't as familiar with whatever tech you're using or whatever platforms you're using to do some dry runs with people that there might be a parent or someone who's a little younger, or a little older, or just like me lives out on the side of a mountain and has a slow internet connection where it could be a real help to just try out a system to see if it's going to work ahead of time. And it's another task for a host, but in the world of virtual party throwing, I definitely think it's something you want to build into your party planning. Adrian, we hope that this is a good starter of options to go towards for having a successful virtual shower. And we are so excited for you and your new family. And I will just put it out there. I'm hoping the baby is going to be born on my birthday, October 18th, fellow Libra child. Yay! <laughs> if you are going to give a party, plan that party around a purpose. Choose your guests carefully. Plan invitations. Plan for refreshments and entertainment. Then, practice to be a skillful host. Make sure the party is fun for everyone. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or reach us on social media. On Twitter, we're at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette with your social media post so we know you want your question on the show. If you love Awesome Etiquette, consider becoming a sustaining member. You can find out more about this by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette. You'll get an ads-free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content. Plus, you'll feel great knowing you help to keep Awesome Etiquette on the air. And for those of you who are already sustaining members, thank you so much for your support. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And today we hear from Treva about episode 301 and the question about responding to inappropriate jokes. Dear Lizzie and Dan, I was listening to episode 301 while on my way to spend time with my mother on what would have been her 84th birthday. The question about how to respond when someone makes an offensive joke or comment reminded me of a response my mother gave in that very situation. We were at a family gathering when a relative told a joke, in quotation marks, that was racially offensive. My mother simply said, I don't go for that sort of humor. It was such a simple statement that made her stance clear and set a solid boundary without compromising the relationship. I have used this line since and have found it serves the purpose nicely. Thank you for a wonderful show. I enjoy it every week, but this time it added just a little more sweet to a bittersweet day. Be well, Treva. Treva, thank you so much. We really appreciate your feedback um, and, and glad that it could bring a little sweet to a bittersweet day. I am with you. My aunt, I watched her once um, say, oh, I don't find that joke funny. And she said, I think I'm going to go find something to do in the kitchen or, you know, it was like the other room. And that for me, like your mother being an example for you, my aunt was really an example for me there because she loves the person who made the offensive uh, uh, non-joke very much, but she did not love that humor and she wasn't going to laugh or she wasn't going to awkwardly be quiet. She just decided to say, I don't, I don't think that's funny. I think those are good lessons to take when we see someone do it, do it and do it well. Treva, thank you for sharing the story about your mother. And now we hear from Sam about our show. Greetings, Dan and Lizzie. 
I was introduced to the wonderful world of etiquette via the Global Information Network webinar training that Dan did a number of years ago. I also started listening to Awesome Etiquette a few years ago. Not having been brought up in an environment where many people practice a lifestyle with consideration, respect, and honesty, I find your show also offers me a goodly amount of hope and peace as well. Kudos to Lizzie on her book, Higher Etiquette. It beautifully dances between two worlds and blazes a trail for those who have previously lived with shame, but have also desired a higher standard from life. So I feel appreciation for both of you ever so much. Sam. Sam, thank you so much. That's really sweet. We, we certainly appreciate the positive feedback, and we're glad that it's making a positive impact on you. Thank you, Sam, for sharing this feedback. And thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please do keep them coming. You can send your next feedback or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can also leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And this week, we are so excited to have some other people on our show with us. <laughs> I, I know. Am, I'm feeling almost a little nervous, Lizzie. Would you like to introduce our guests? I would. I'm nervous, too, because we're actually hosting for real. But we've got Amina Tussaud and Anne Friedman from the Call Your Girlfriend podcast. And they are co-authors of the book Big Friendship. And we are really excited to have them here today. Ladies, welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Hello. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for being willing to come here and to do this uh, via Zoom. <laughs> so welcome to being the first guests on Awesome Etiquette, I feel like, in years. <laughs> An honor and a pleasure. Well, we are so happy to have you here. And I think we should probably fill our audience in a little bit about your book, Big Friendship, and your podcast, Call Your Girlfriend, and how, how kind of this all emerged. Because I'm, I'm very excited that you two focus on friendships and that we get to talk about the etiquette of friendships today. Well, we've been doing our podcast, Call Your Girlfriend, since 2014, making us like you kind of uh, veteran podcasters, dare I say. I like after, it. I like after it. That dare. <laughs> um, our show is taglined, a podcast for long-distance besties everywhere, and um, we call each other and often guests, people we admire and are interested in, to talk about what's happening in the news and politics and culture and uh, try to make some sense of it together. I like it. I like it. We talk a lot on the show about consideration and what it means to be considerate with loved ones, coworkers, friends. It's very clear from the very start of your book that you two see consideration as needing to be part of a friendship, that it is, it is an essential and good part of a friendship. I was wondering, as being two people who've had a podcast for so long and who obviously have just been out in the world socializing for so long, like people often ask us to assess the state of etiquette in the world today or in America today. What's sort of the state of consideration and friendships? Like, are, do you guys generally see us being good friends or are, are we not? Is it shallow friendship and it's what makes a big friendship so important? I do think that it varies. Um, like any relationship, people are doing it really differently. One thing I think we see over and over is an intention to do it better or to be more invested in friendship. And even though that attention seems very present, a lot of the questions that you two are always asking about um, how to show up considerately and compassionately and what that looks like while also drawing and respecting your own boundaries. I think that's the gist of the questions we get from our listeners about this most often. And there's also a strain of them, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Aminatu, but like a strain of them that are like, am I crazy or are they crazy? Or am I, am I, am I the one who is totally off base here or are they totally off base? There seems to be a desire for exactly what the two of you are doing, which is a baseline expectation. And that feels really natural to me, especially because friendship can be a very nebulous relationship. It means a lot of different things, which is one reason why we took pains to define a big friendship, you know, this long-term robust relationship that is intimate and really rooted in the future. And so, yeah, I think those questions are natural. And also it's really hard for me to give a super 
large in scope kind of assessment of what's happening in friendship, just because there are so many, so many types. Definitely feel you on that. Aminatu, you had a story in the preface of the book about a moment that you felt your consideration lacking. And to me, it was a really like up close, right at the get-go moment of reflection, of self-analysis, as well as just immediately thinking about what would be best for this other person who I know, who I try to take care of typically, and I'm not right now. What's going on here? Can you t- speak to that moment? Because I, I, I really loved hearing that. I was like, wow, that's ownership, acknowledgement. It's, it's so many good things in there for something that actually came from a place of lack. I'm curious. <laughs> I love that you picked that up so, uh, so early on. Um, <laughs> the, the part of the book that you're referring to is um, Anne and I write about being at this spa retreat, um, you know, trying to rekindle the, the, the romance of your, of our, of our friendship and failing, failing spectacularly at doing it. But at this point, we are in these really hot and steamy mud baths. And um, I love a mud bath. I love the steam. I love, secretly love how uncomfortable the whole thing is. Nice. You know, and in this moment, I glance over at my friend and she's not doing well in the the mud bath. It's a very generous interpretation of what is happening there. But, you know, I think that you were right to zero in on that moment because for me, it was the first time in a long time in our friendship that I understood that something that I would have naturally done, um, which is remember to just warn someone about something so basic, it's hot and it's uncomfortable. Maybe you won't be happy here. Yeah. And especially if that person is someone that I'm close to, I know that, you know, Anne runs lizard temperatures at best. It was a real moment of personal torture for me because it was truly an, an omission. Like it was not, um, I, I did not do it. On, I did not lure right. her to, uh, to a hot, <laughs> uh, steamy location to You didn't her. actually think about it and then just be like, eh, no, I right. really want to do the bath. Yeah. I'm going to ignore that thought. <laughs> but now, now, you know, if I was a serial killer, this is how I would kill everyone would be in like this <laughs> bath. But, um, um, yeah, the temperatures run really hot. But for me, it was this really telling moment of, oh, there is a huge disconnect here because I consider myself to be someone very thoughtful about this very small kind of thing, you know, like in the grand yeah. scheme of things, but it's truly like, we're, we're not talking like world peace, earth shattering norms here. But it was so telling to me that this very small thing that I would really do for anyone in my life I had not extended that courtesy and that kindness mm-hmm. to my friend and and I think that it's it's really important to have moments like that when you are not comfortable with someone because so much mm-hmm. of the strife a lot of times is externalized yep. and you are so focused on their behavior and I think that for me that was a real looking in the mirror of oh why if this is a thing that I do all the time why did I not do it now it was very innocent, but I yeah. think that it is it is very much like worth um, interrogating and looking at. It reminded me of moments I've had in relationships where as a very loving, caring person, I've noticed where I didn't take the opportunity to be loving and caring, whether it's because I just didn't think about it in the moment and I typically would have otherwise or because I was distracted. It's a, a moment of, of lack of care that you notice in yourself and then sort of what you do about it is the big question, right? Like, what, what do we do when we have these moments? But I'm also curious, was there any part of your reflective thought process where you thought, yeah, and Anne's a grown awesome woman who knows that maybe a mud bath won't be comfortable for her. I don't have to worry too much. But it sounds to me like that would go against the nature of how you, you more generally are. So maybe... I don't know. No, that is not my sickness. My sickness is that I'm always uh, worried that if someone is uncomfortable, it's my fault. So okay, okay, <laughs> the, okay. gotcha. That's never, where that comes the, from. <laughs> the, the thought never, um, the mind never goes there. Um, so yeah, so that like that never occurred to me. I think it was a real look in the mirror moment of if you think that you're a considerate person, why were you not considerate in this? Yeah in this instance. I think that that is more telling a lot of times. And I'm curious, when you were in the mud bath, did you think, what was she thinking? Of course I'm going to not enjoy this. Or I'm curious what you were thinking in the mud bath. I think I was just deep breathing and trying to get through it. Like this is not, this is not a part of my reality. <laughs> um, but I do think that that underlying emotion of um, 
it's almost like watching yourself do a thing or yep. like reflecting on something in the recent past and kind of saying like, wait a minute, is this me? And I associate it, um, you know, I, I'm failing to come up with a, a super specific example, but during this period of our friendship, I would often catch myself, you know, essentially assuming the worst or assuming a, a sort of negative intention when I, when I was feeling uncomfortable, like that there was something coming from her that was clearly not, you know, and I think that was something that I was able to see like in the minute after like having that feeling, being able to say like, oh, actually, this is about me feeling uncomfortable. Like it wasn't about words that left her mouth or any action that that she did in this moment. And I think that in a way, that kind of uh, benefit of the doubt is a way of extending compassion, the kind of compassion mm -hmm. and consideration that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And when I think about this time, I really think about that being something that I failed to do that was really missing for me. And it is not as concrete as a mud bath, I am sorry to say. <laughs> um, and that is not where I was physically in the mud bath. But, but yeah, that's very much part of that dynamic. It's so good. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing so many things that, that are coming out as specific examples of, of themes that are of interest. And this idea of moments of self-reflection being sort of opportunities for improvement, opportunities to bridge that distance between what Anne was talking about, our, our visions of ourselves and our good intentions and the actual behaviors that we're employing or that we're able to stay aware of and intentionally deploy at, at any particular moment with someone. Yet such a great specific example is, is nice. The other thing that Anne mentioned that I thought was really intriguing was this idea of balancing your expectations of yourself and other people's expectations of you. I can't tell you how much etiquette nowadays is about the individual and the individual balancing their own comfort levels, their own feelings of safety, their own personality with the world around them in ways that feel confident and, and positive and good. Obviously, there are times when that doesn't go right and it doesn't feel those ways and we deal with that. But I'm curious, in such a long, long-standing friendship and a big friendship, how do you two find the balancing when it's, it's such a one-on-one -on -one space? How do you find that you've either changed or developed or learned about good communication in this much bigger relationship in your life than I think a lot of other friendships or work relationships could be? I, mean, I think that the key word there really is just communication. Speaking just for myself, the only way I know to be my best self at work is to work with people that I love. If we're friends, you, you know, like, I, I'm not going to be perfect, but it's the closest to like, not garbage that you're going to get as a human <laughs> being. And so, because I think that in friendship, for me, at least, there is already a care and consideration and, you know, like a, a really important tether there. That means that I'm also just on my best behavior in a way that I would probably not be if people were not people I cared for, for example. Both in my friendship with Anne and my um, professional relationship with her and our collaboration, the thing that I am always the most struck by is that it is one okay to not agree with someone. Like I cannot think of a time that we have at least professionally disagreed about something that it felt so impossible that it couldn't be bridged because so much of it is framed in terms of the work itself it's a really clear exchange of ideas. I think that if you are collaborating, you, you kind of have to understand that you're, you're not getting your way. Whatever the thing is that you need, <laughs> it'll be It's true. It's true. It's not your, it's true. It's not your no, way. It's, it's really whatever true. you make is a weird Frankenstein child of the ideas that you have and the idea that your collaborator has. But a, a thing that Anne models for me constantly is um, asking questions in order to get to what you were trying to say. So what is that, you know, like, what's the feeling behind the feeling? Why are you saying the thing that you were saying? And also just in the most neutral way possible, being able to just state your desire and it not feeling threatening. And, and I think that so much of that is actually... You know, there are some verbal cues for that and so much of it is nonverbal cues. Yep. But I think that being generous in your speech and, and really clear in what you are trying to accomplish and how can we get to those two places together. And I think that that is a kind of thing that you can do in your professional life. It is a thing that you have to do in your personal life. And so much of it is just being really generous with how you ask the questions and how you push and challenge each other. 
I love it. I just, I love hearing how people work well together, how they figured out how to work well together. <laughs> there is a friendship etiquette question that we get all the time on this podcast that I was hoping the two of you could help us answer. And I, I understand that in your particular friendship, it's long distance. So this one might not be one that the two of you have to experience each year regularly, but with your, with your other friends and your friend groups. People love to go out for a birthday celebration and we love to somehow take the honoree, the birthday person out. And there's always this situation of who's organizing this birthday outing? How is it going to happen? And are we expected to pay for the birthday person? And how is that happening? And we find that no matter how much we talk about good ways to invite or organize, or get buy-ins, that no matter what, this becomes a friendship fail somehow, and people are disappointed. What do you two think of the birthday dinner group gathering? I have such a strong feelings about the birthday group gathering, oh. because it is the source of so much friendship misbehavior that goes unchecked. <laughs> My feelings are many, but the first one is that um, adults can go out for their birthday if they would like to but you have to be an adult about how you handle it oh my gosh I love that I love that (laughs) there are two ways there are two ways that you can do this you can ask someone to um be the point person to invite people to your birthday which you are essentially asking someone to host a party for you whether it is happening at a restaurant or not or you can plan your own birthday dinner which is also acceptable I personally think that it is not productive to go out in groups larger than six to eat dinner, um, like especially for birthdays. And because the heart of this question really is, how considerate are you of your friend's time and of your friend's money? Two areas that people are notoriously bad at talking about. And I think that if you are friends with people, you should understand that there is a little bit of responsibility that you have to take when you're asking them to spend money on anything at all. And particularly if you are asking them to spend money on you. And I come from a culture where um, if you throw a party, you actually pay for the whole thing. So if I threw myself, uh, if I had a birthday dinner, I would pay for it because I'm asking people for the gift of their time and presence. That's just my culture. Um, That is not true in the American context. I think that the way that the invitation should be done should make it specifically clear at the top. So we are going to such and such restaurant. We are going at such and such time. Um, You also need to be considerate of the restaurant. If you are rolling in there with six people, it is probably better to call them and give them a heads up and ask if they will have a specific menu for you or they like restaurants are great with large parties. They will come up with a way that the bill can be like, pretty even. There will be a menu that also can include drinks. If you are, you know, like somewhat uh, more of an adult, you should probably ask if they have a private room that you could use because you're rolling in there with a large party. You would like to make noise, be considerate of the other guests at the restaurants. We don't need to all hear your happy birthday song. It's your night, not our night. And none of these things like on their face cost a lot of money. Like it mm-hmm. actually is not more expensive to go out with a large group of people in a private room than it is to just like eat in the main dining room. You just have to ask for it. And I think that in the invitation, you should make it really clear if there is a menu or whatever, it's like, okay, it'll come out to about $95 each plus drinks plus tax. If you give people a heads up about what they're getting into, they can decide for themselves whether they want to join you or not. And, um, and it's not an indictment of how they feel about you. It's possible that um, money is tight. It is possible that they don't have, you know, like time is tight and they can't make it work. And so I think that tra- maximum transparency in the invitation is how you avoid the check showing up and having this weird dance of how are we splitting all of this? And in the, in the case that you've asked someone to be the point person for your birthday, that person will probably also handle the check. And they will either find out from the restaurant if it's okay to split it in, you know, six. Like I said, grown-ups should not <laughs> no be going out six. to dinner in groups of six. This is, it's a disaster. You should find out because it's also inconsiderate to your server if you don't have a plan for how you are going to pay. And so you should find out how many forms of payments one can take. And it doesn't have to be weird if you are yeah. communicating clearly with people. And it truly is that, 
you know, everyone in your friend group is at a different place with all of those things. And the kind of thing to do is to give people as much information as they can so they can make a decision for themselves. I, I love everything, everything you just said. It is so right in line with both what our audience wants to be hearing. I, I feel audience, I don't mean to speak for you, but so in line with the way we tend to view uh, birthdays and celebrations like this. It's clear, honest communication, being understanding of people's limits. They don't need to be a personal reflection on how somebody cares about you, but also just the idea to be practical and facilitate this with ease. I oh, love it all. And I would also say listening to you talk about this is I can think of literally dozens of instances where an organizer has not done what you described. Mm -hmm. And definitely as I have grown into a place of more financial security or come into a place of more financial security, I take it as more my responsibility than before to be the one who replies, not to the whole thing necessarily, but directly to the organizer in a separate text thread or, you know, just in a one-on-one email to say, hey, you forgot to mention what is the process for paying and what Mm -hmm. is the rough dollar amount. And Mm -hmm. I think that that can be a really nice way, speaking of consideration, that you consider the fact that you maybe don't know the financial situation or like the kind of group logistics anxieties, because that's a big part of this, of other people who are on the invite. And so if you are the one who's aware and you know you would do it differently, you can be part of an accountability culture to reply directly and ask that they follow up and say, this is how payment is going to happen and this is what you can expect. And so that's the only thing I would add listening to your otherwise lawless description of how this should go down. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) That was awesome. (laughs) Aminatu, and thank you so much for being here. Audience, I'm sorry, but our recording, we lost Dan, so he does not get to say his goodbyes. I will have to say them on his behalf. <laughs> sorry. Um, Dan couldn't handle it. He couldn't handle couldn't the heat swing. of the birthday party. Dropped too. out. Yeah. Dropped out. <laughs> Man, that boy just wants someone to organize something for him. No, I'm just kidding. He's, he, <laughs> he unfortunately uh, lost power. And that's just, he's done for the day. Um, but thank you both so much for being here. Thank you for shedding a light on friendships and on big friendships. Audience, please check out their book, which comes out uh, Tuesday. That is tomorrow. We are so excited for it. Big friendship and give a listen to the podcast. Call your girlfriend. Thank you both so so much. much. (laughs) It was a real pleasure being with you. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week. Thank you too. Stay safe, stay healthy. Bye. 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 Gee, it's fun to be with people you like, isn't it? Yes, it's it's always good to be with your friends. Your friends at school, and your friends at work, and your friends at home. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. And today, we're actually not going to turn to you. We're going to turn to Lizzie Post (laughs) because she has a very special salute to offer today. And I I totally don't mean to copycat Dan. um, And I appreciate him letting me, or I won't say letting, but agreeing to do this as a swap out for this week. Easy, easy to do, cuz. Easy, easy, easy. Well, my salute goes out to Jacqueline Lachev, who many of you have heard her name Oh, Dan, I'm going to have such a hard time not crying while I do this. Many of you have heard her name on the show way early on because she was my roommate for many years. Not many years, probably for like 18 months, but it felt like many years. And we've been good friends for quite a long time. She took care of Benny for me often when I would go away. Um, she worked for my parents at one point. Like she's Jacqueline has just been very much so a, a close and kindred spirit throughout the past, um, I would say, six, six or seven years of my life. And not only have we lived together and she's worked for uh, my parents in their home, but she also works for us at Emily Post. She is actually responsible for and manages our social media. And so oftentimes you may, you may see her liking things or making comments or letting us know to respond. Um, but she does a really beautiful job. And this week I got the privilege to go um, to, uh, her bachelorette party and it, it, it was done in all, all the good ways, but it was so 
just unbelievable listening to all of the women who were there and who were Skyping in or, or uh, Zooming in um, talk about what Jacqueline has meant to them and what they see in her. And she has made such a big impact on so many women, you guys. She has... She is really one of those women who becomes a sister and a kindred spirit when when she befriends someone and listening to the tales of how she helped people, listening to the tales um, of how she was silly with people, um, it, it painted an entire picture and, and also the ways that she worked with people through business. Um, it painted such an entire picture of such a beautiful human. And I'm just so happy for her that tomorrow or technically like three days ago, she is getting married to someone she really loves and, and, uh, two families are coming together that, um, are really two families who are, are, are coming together. This is a bonding. This is a, one of those big in- inclusive things, not for numbers of people, but in terms of, um, how people are being absorbed into each other's lives. And it was just so beautiful to see a woman who I've seen grow and change so much, be so celebrated, um, and with such good reasons. So Jacqueline, I love you so much. And I'm so proud of you and so happy for you and so impressed by you all the time. You are such a shining example of how to be really great at life. Okay, you got to talk now, Dan, because I'm just going to cry. <laughs> Jacqueline, there's very little I can say uh, on top of that, but I just want to add my voice and say congratulations. We are so, so happy for you. And thank you to everyone out there for listening. And thank you to everyone who sent us something and to everyone who supports us on Patreon. A great big thank you, thank you, thank you. Please connect with us and share this show with friends, family, and coworkers, and on social media. You can send us questions, feedback, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. By phone, you can leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we're at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member. You can find out more about that by visiting patreon.com slash awesome etiquette. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on Spotify or your favorite podcast app or maybe several of your favorite podcast apps. And please consider leaving us a review. It helps with our show ranking, which helps new people find awesome etiquette. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks Chris and Bridget. Bridget. 